This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Deals. And Barnes hits one high. Hits it deep. It is out of here. 7.56. Barnes stands alone. He is on top of the all-time home run list. Now back to 95.7 The Game. 15 years ago today. Wow. Barry Bonds. I mean, you heard him. A young, young type on the call. Mm-hmm. The, when the pipes were, oh my, that was incredible. August 7th, 2007, Barry Bonds hits number 756 off of Mike Basic, who goes down in history as the man that gives up Barry Bonds' 756th home run. I just, what, the, I mean, those were the days. Those were the days there at, at what now is Oracle Park. And he just, I mean, we talk about a, a one man show and people you would go to see. And I don't know if there's any, ever going to be anyone that that tops Barry Bonds. One of the things I'll never forget about that was the next day doing a radio show in some far-flung location and we had on the show we had Milo Hamilton. Do you know who Milo Hamilton was? I don't Heard believe the name. he's no longer with us. He was a long-time announcer. He was the Braves radio announcer when Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's record. So we played, not that call, but we actually played for Mr. Hamilton, who was nice enough to join us, an elderly gentleman by that point. We played him John Miller's call. Uh, and Michael Hamilton listened, and we said, what'd you think? He goes, yeah, I didn't think it was that good. <laughs> he didn't like it. He didn't feel like it captured the moment. And maybe, you know, on some level, maybe he was a little jealous. I don't know. But then we had John Miller on, and I don't remember if we told John Miller what uh, Milo had said or not, but <laughs> it was a great, I'm, I'll never forget, John Miller talked about the boats in, in McCovey Cove. And, you know, John Miller, I believe what he said was he didn't prepare for that. He didn't think what he was going to say because his job is as an announcer to tell you what happens at the time. Well, how can I prepare? Because I don't know what it's going to be like. But it was a it was a great call, um, a, a, an incredible moment in baseball history. But I'll never forget Hank Aaron coming on the scoreboard. Because I had admired what Hank Aaron had done, the conditions under which he'd done it. And Bonds, there was, you know, there was some scrutiny and a lot of people don't like to hear it. But we know at the time, some people thought, wow, it's, it's you know, he he's doing this with the aid of steroids, so maybe it's not legitimate. Um, but then to have Hank Aaron on the scoreboard, kind of like, you know, uh, in The Lion King, Simba, I am your father. But the way Hank Aaron's on the scoreboard, very gracious message, that was, oh, it was an incredible moment. And again, 15 years ago today, Whitey Gleason, Evan Giddings here on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, There's something about being able to capture a moment that is, it's such a unique skill. And of course, we lost the guy who was best at yeah. it earlier this week in Vince Scully. That call, you know, it's it's simple, lets the crowd take control of the moment because it, it was, I mean, it was pandemonium there when Barry Bonds sent it into right center field, by the way, I don't know if I ever saw Barry Bonds hit a cheap home run. <laughs> like that's something that always stuck and does continue to stick with me through these highlights. The only time I've ever seen Barry Bonds hit like a wall scraper. Like no, no offense, you know when when Mark McGuire broke the single season home run record, it's just a screamer down yes. the left field line, right. barely gets line out drive. of the stadium. Yeah. yeah, Barry Bonds. The only time I've ever seen him hit 
a home run that was, you know, a row or two, especially in the right field, was the the game against the Marlins where he broke his bat. He broke a bat mm. hitting a home run. That's the only time I've ever not seen him hit one, you know, 400, 420 plus feet. And I think it almost adds to the moment in a sense, too, because it's a no-doubter right off the bat. Yeah. And it is such a historic home run that you just get the the aerial display and power of a guy like Barry Bonds. I know that people used to kind of joke and say, boy, it'd be great if everyone was on steroids. What would that be like? And we got a glimpse of that. What, what year was it? There was a um, year when Eric Gagne was pitching for the Dodgers and Barry Bonds was hitting. And you can, I'm not going to tell you what happened. You can check it on YouTube. Uh, it was an incredible at bat. And I, you know, that's what it would have been like. Uh, what do I know? I don't know what anybody did, but you know, there's reason to think that maybe those guys were using PEDs. I don't know, but it was an incredible at-bat. So I'd encourage you, if you're curious at all, to look up that one. On the text line, Giants should sign Barry to play DH, <laughs> restart his Hall of Fame clock. He'd be the best hitter on the team. Well, I, I don't think he'd be far off at this point, especially with, with the way that the DH has, you know, helped or, and I think really hurt the Giants this season. We we talked about that before the year, and I heard some people discussing how the DH was going to be, you know, better for the Giants is when it was going to give them an extra bat. But they they really just haven't had a bat to put in the DH spot, and it's hurt them. I think more than it's helped them, just because it's had to, it's been another thorn in their side for pitchers, especially bullpen pitchers. And you know, even though I I personally like seeing an extra bat in the lineup, I know that it takes some of the strategy out of the game. It's it's more you know traditional to have the pitcher hit there you get the double switch you can choose what whether to put the, the pitcher in or not but I, I do like having the dh even if it has hurt the giants this season yeah i've given up on uh, on that whole deal uh my my parents were nash league fans i was brought up kind of old school and i used to think no you got to keep the league separate and you got to have if you want to have the dh in the american league that's great but never in the nash league and it's just yeah it's there now it's here i see the upside um, that the Giants need to do a better job of taking advantage of the opportunities that presents. But yeah, it's here to stay. There's 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 no question about that. And by the way, thank you, Brian. Of 2004 was the matchup between Barry Bonds and, and Eric Gagne. And that was, it was like a 12-pitch at bat, just fastball after fastball after tremendous. fastball until Bonds eventually yanks one into the cone. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, you're right. That is peak steroids. And uh, Barry Bonds, you know, we appreciate the 206 on the Comcast business business text line as far as restarting the Hall of Fame clock. One guy we don't have to restart the Hall of Fame clock on is Bryant Young for the San Francisco 49ers going in this weekend in Canton, the NFL Hall of Fame. And, you know, we, we, we watched the, the speech right before the show, Whitey, and, and it kind of starts out similar to most, you know, you're. You're thinking God, you're thinking your family, you're thinking the, the Niners, you're thinking everyone that's involved. But he got into a, a pretty emotional part of his speech in talking about a you know a part of his family and, and his son Kobe, who who passed away in 2016 from cancer. And that's something in a it's something that we don't often get to see athletes do, which is be genuine which is be real and kind of invite people into a part of their lives yeah. that is extremely painful. And it was one of the better Hall of Fame speeches that I had seen. And I, I just really appreciate the way that Brian Young was so open, was so honest with the public and with everyone there in front of you know all of his friends, all of his family, of course, that have been through this with him. And I just thought it was... It was it was really inspirational to see him talk about you know a part of his life that is obviously very dark. To me, it's one of the three most memorable Hall of Fame speeches off the top of my head that I've ever seen. There have been some great ones, but I'll never forget Ricky Henderson, Baseball Hall of Fame. He was just it was just pure Ricky from the heart. And when he talked about you know and all the other Hall of Famers are there, and he talked about yeah I was uh you know in Oakland and I tried to get in. And uh, try to get autographs, and there's Reggie Jackson. He wouldn't give me one. And I was like, <laughs> it was like Ricky wasn't <laughs> laughing. That was great. I'll never forget uh, Shannon Sharp when he was inducted. At very emotional, talking about you know his humble roots and in his grandmother's house where she literally had pots and pans on the floor to catch the rain coming through the roof. That was incredible. But Bryant Young last night. 
Um, I just I, I think of his son Colby and how he would feel about that because, as Bryant Young said, when his son Colby found out at age what I think he was thirteen when he found out he had cancer, brain cancer, and he was concerned about well, what will it be like? I'm not afraid of dying, but you know, how, what's it going to be like? And will people remember me? So for a child um, to ask, will people remember me? To I, I just I can't imagine if he saw that last night, you know, looking down on us. How special that must have been. You know, Evan, we have words in our language for if a husband or wife loses a spouse, we have words for that. We have words in our language for if a child loses a parent. We don't even have a word for a parent who loses a child because we don't, you know, it's so unspeakable. And to see Bryant Young and to hear what he had to say last night and for him to get through that speech that way. Um, it, it, I was inspired by his words and just the fact that, you know, he delivered that speech in that fashion. Absolutely unforgettable. And and there's something also, too, about, and, and I don't know if, if it adds more just because Brian Young is, in many ways, you know, a, a, a macho, a, a, a great athlete and a dominant looking one and one that is kind of synonymous with, you know, the game of football and how aggressive it is and how, you know, how many instant kind of car crashes happen throughout each and every play and how testosterone filled the sport is. It was kind of calming and, and reassuring in a way to see someone who is such a, a great athlete. And of course, the sacks leader in 49ers history, a great player, a great leader, a great representative of a franchise as well as the national football league to go up there and watch him basically reveal all of the the toughest times that he's had to go through involving Colby and his son passing away, going through cancer, and to see him remain as strong as he ever was on the yeah, field yeah. in that one moment on stage, gathering himself, you know, tears coming down his cheeks, his family's cheeks, like you said, it very well put. You know, there is no word for that, and that's why it probably just hit me so so hard. Is I I, I just can't imagine. I would hope that no one would ever have to go through what he did, and yet he still maintained the same professionalism that he had when he dealt with the media here in San Francisco. When he retired, as you know, at the end of his career, when he was named to the Hall of Fame, he's been the same type of individual, and. It's it's just so. It was it was really awesome to see him be able to make that, and um, I hope that everyone can take something away from that speech. You know, to be able to cherish the people in their lives, uh, as well as the opportunities in life that they've been given. Just imagine how much strength it must have taken for him to get to that point where through that tragedy, he can then, and obviously he was emotional about it and always will be. The fact that he can talk about that in front of you know millions of people that in and of itself was inspirational evan whether someone is you know nice to other people or not a lot of times that has to just to do with how they were raised and and how you know they were taught to deal with people but i i found it true uh quite often in sports dave stewart another guy that comes to mind quite often the toughest guys the very toughest guys are the nicest guys because they don't have anything to prove they know that uh, yeah, if I, if I had to, I'd take care of myself, but that that's neither here nor there. And I think we saw some of that from Bryant Young. You mentioned um, writers that covered him, and writers who covered Bryant Young will tell you, oh, so cooperative, such a nice guy. And we saw what he did on the football field. Uh, and then, you know, we saw what he went through when he was injured and then came back from that. An incredibly tough man and a great football player, but push come to shove, a gentleman and a kind man. And the 30th Hall of Famer in San Francisco 49ers history to go into the Hall of Fame. And so a big congratulations to Bryant Young. Also, just simply a salute to him for his speech last night. Also do want to mention, uh, you know, for those of you still still rocking the Raider black and silver, Cliff Branch Cliff also Branch. going into the Hall of Fame. Fortunately, he's not around anymore to enjoy that. Long overdue, but yeah, great and, honor. And from what everything I've read is, you know, was was a burner, a fantastic player, and helped the Raiders, you know, to much success throughout the 70s. So, you know, wherever he is at, I'm sure he is very happy looking down, getting into Canton. But back to the current 49ers, Whitey, and anyone that wants to chime in, 888-957-9570. That's also the number for the Comcast business text line. 
looking at something that went down this week and, and, and a piece of news that was reported on a couple of fronts having to do with injuries. First in Los Angeles, Matt Stafford being tied to this term of a, of a baseball elbow type injury. Tendinitis. I know, Ouch. I know that he was on a, a, a snap camp, essentially a pitch count at the beginning of their training camp in LA. Also a guy in, you know, in Cleveland right now, Deshaun Watson, his future is being appealed. It was originally handed a six game suspension and that is being appealed. So we don't know what's going to happen with him. And this season, two potential destinations for a guy named Jimmy Garoppolo. Where are you at as far as Jimmy's future is concerned? Because to me, it has nothing to do with the San Francisco 49ers, and it's just a matter of time before I think he gets released. As far as Stafford goes, and apparently he'd been dealing with this for some time, and I was remembering the last game of the regular season down there. Remember when the 49ers had that great inspirational come-from-behind win? In the second half, didn't Stafford look like he had a bad arm when you look back on the way he played? Didn't it look like, yeah. and I, I'm taking nothing away from the 49ers, but he looked like, huh, there's something wrong with that guy. Um, they seem very confident that he's going to be able to figure it out. I think if they weren't, they would have done something about it by now. Uh, I think he had the PRP and he's got tendonitis, but that means the tendon is somewhat compromised and is uh, more prone to injury. I'm not a doctor, but uh, you know I've, I've watched a lot of those medical shows. My mom used to work at the hospital, so I think I'm qualified to speak <laughs> on that. So something to keep an eye on. I'll I say you are. Yeah, I, I don't see... That is a fit. I don't see Jimmy to the to the Rams. To me, that that ain't a thing yet. Um, you know, maybe if if I think by the time Stafford, if he gets hurt, I think by the time he's gotten hurt, I, I suspect Jimmy's situation will be resolved one way or the other. Um, the Cleveland thing is interesting because, long story short, here with everything going on with Sean Watson, he got a six game suspension, and then of course the league appeals, which means the league appeals to itself. So I think the league, I, I agree with those who say the signs are there that the league is going to come down on him hard. The league wants him. The NFL wants him to serve a long suspension. So I think after they have the, uh, the appeal process heard, I think the league's going to come down with a long suspension, maybe even a whole year. And then I think the Players Association, they're going to probably sue. That's where that's going to go. So that's going to take a long, long time. It looks like we had Steve Weish on with us Friday, Dibs and I, and Steve Weish from NFL Network says, I was just there in Cleveland, and they're, they're, they look like they're committed to Jacoby Brissett. So that could be a fit, depending on what happens. Maybe the Browns needs change here if Watson gets a long suspension, but I think they're expecting that. I still think Seattle's sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting for Jimmy to be released. I still think they would love to snatch him up, and to me that still seems right now the most likely. Where do you think would be worse, though? Because, I mean, L.A. being a, it being a long shot, like that to me is the the imperfect storm for if yeah. you're a 49ers fan. The the possibility, you know, because we, we, we kind of tossed around the, the hypothetical scenario of him going to Seattle and coming mm -hmm. in and beating the 49ers. But if you go to Los Angeles, the place that, that knocked you out in the conference championship and Jimmy could even just be associated with that team. That would that would build even more of an, an incensed fan base, even oh, more yeah. of the rivalry. I mean that that cannot happen. No, I, I'm I'm wondering here if you're Jimmy, just think how great that would be. Wait, I might I could go maybe to the Rams or at Seattle. Oh, this would be great. I would love that. I wonder if the 49ers, if that becomes more of a possibility. And what they gotta they gotta deal him or do something with him or let him go by August thirtieth, right? Or else yeah. his contract becomes guaranteed. And I know there are still those who say, "No, they're gonna keep him. He's gonna be a backup." Yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Maybe the 49ers go, "Hey, look, Browns, just give us anything. We just gotta make sure he doesn't stay in the division. So just give us anything at all for Jimmy." I wonder if that will change. Um, the, the, the 49ers perspective on a trade if they desperately need to keep him from going to the Seahawks or the Rams, who, as you say, Jimmy could lead the Rams to the Super Bowl. And from the 206 in the Comcast business text line with Kareem Hunt requesting a trade mm. from Cleveland, Jimmy for Hunt. That's from Gutter Trash. We Good appreciate question. you tuning in. With the amount, it, it's so funny because the 49ers last year, had a ton of depth issues when it came to the running back position. One of the reasons that Debo Samuel was kind of forced into action in that wide back role. 
But this year, it seems like they kind of got a bevy of backs down there in the backfield. So, I mean, sure, Jimmy for Kareem Hunt. I think that works for the 49ers, or sorry, works for the for the Cleveland Browns if Jacoby Brissett isn't their guy. But by all accounts, it looks like they're okay with riding out Brissett. Also, I think because no one's going to trade for Jimmy's contract. No one wants to pick up that much money for a guy that isn't going to be getting you over the top or getting you an extra three or four wins. I don't think people view Jimmy as the solution for a lot of their problems, even if someone like Kareem Hunt is requesting a trade out. Kareem Hunt is requesting a trade, but the Browns have privately declined that request. It looks to me like this is just posturing from Kareem Hunt, who's in the final year of a two-year, $12 million deal. So he's missed drills the past couple of days. It looks like a deal where Kareem Hunt is just really putting the gun to the team. He wants his extension. And I think they most likely will come to terms on that. Kareem Hunt traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think Larry Kruger has talked about this or tweeted about it. So I understand where gutter trash is coming from. I, I think it's still very unlikely. I, I mean, and just look at that from the Brown standpoint. If they don't even want Jimmy, really, it doesn't look like they especially want him, and they would trade Kareem Hunt for Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I, I think that's just Kareem Hunt trying to make it more likely that he gets the money. He's already said, uh, when did he say this? He made the statement not that long ago that he wants to be a Brown forever. So I think they're going to work that out. I don't think that's going to be a factor in the Jimmy G situation. Well, and Jimmy G right now is, you know, along the lines of what we're talking about, he's stuck in that no man's land, which which begs the question for me, what do the 49ers owe him? Because at the end of season press conference, John Lynch, along with Shanahan, kind of came out and said, although they alluded to the fact that Jimmy's not going to be around, at least it was, I thought at the time, that's kind of where they were pointing that Jimmy is not going to be on the team in the future. They also talked about trying to find him a nice landing spot and trying to get value back for him. But the value is diminished close to zero, if not that. We've floated different teams around, and the fact that Seattle could be the most likely destination for Jimmy Garoppolo just tells you all you need to know about where the Niners are at with trying to trade him. I don't know what they owe him at this point. I My guess is they don't feel like they owe him anything. And I, I think they were sincere with everything they said, but given where we are now, and it's like, wait, the Rams or the Seahawks? Uh, we got to play those teams, Jimmy. So, no, I, I think they're going to do whatever they can to steer him away from that if it, if it gets to that. I don't know, Evan, I, and I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'm not casting aspersions on the 49ers, or you know, they, they are legitimate and uh, trustworthy. Um, but I just don't think at this point that they're really that concerned about that because now we're to the point now we got to get something for him and we got to keep him from going to a team that we're playing in week two. So, Jimmy, thanks for everything, but we've done all we can do and it didn't work out. So, yeah, that's out the window now as far I mean, as what we owe you. And the only thing that he can really get them at this point is some room in, in cap space. I mean, that's kind of where it's it's coming down to that they just kind of got to they got to eat the dead money. They got to release him because at least according to reports, Kyle Shanahan said Jimmy has the option of being in these meetings and quarterback meetings. He has chosen it's not to be. Interesting the way he phrased that. I would guess that he wouldn't want to be here in these meetings. Oh, and he confirmed that when we asked him. Okay, what? Why didn't you just say he doesn't want to be in the meetings? Well, and that's also sort of how it, it, it's interesting because Jimmy Garoppolo has been the consummate professional his entire time here, but now we're getting to see how how business well, I don't blame truly. Him, do you? No, no, absolutely, and that was that's going to be the next part we can talk about coming up on the other side. What does Jimmy Garoppolo owe the 49ers? Because a lot of people have you know, floated around the fact that Jimmy G is you know should be lucky lucky to be part of. A great franchise and a team that's put pieces around them and has put them in positions to succeed, getting to a Super Bowl, getting to a conference championship. But what does he actually own them? And what do quarterbacks owe their franchises? What do franchises owe their quarterbacks? We're going to try and broaden this conversation coming up next. If you want to chime in, feel free. 888-957-9570. You're listening to Whitey Gleason along with Evan Giddings here on a Sunday afternoon or morning, soon to be afternoon, on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now back to 95.7 The Game. We're having a lot of fun here on a Sunday. Whitey Gleason along with Evan Giddings here on 95.7 The Game. Wheeling and dealing just like the San Francisco Giants, wow. apparently, who just claimed outfielder Steele Walker from the Texas Rangers. He was DFA'd earlier along with Steven Duggar, a former Giant. The Angels cl- scooped up Steven Duggar, so Steele Walker back into the Giants, into the Giants organization, I should say. Isn't that something that the elderly have to use, a steel walker? Or maybe they're made of aluminum. I don't know, but... Um... Yeah, there's Farhan being Farhan, right? Your Mercedes goes down to AAA earlier today. They recall, or reinstate, I should say, Tyra Estrada from the IL. And, of course, well, Estrada might be in the starting lineup today against the Oakland Athletics as they're wrapping up a two-game set here this weekend. Won one game yesterday, trying to wrap up the game here today. But we're talking about Giants getting to the 49ers. The question we posed before the break was, what do the San Francisco 49ers owe Jimmy Garoppolo? And what does Jimmy Garoppolo owe the 49ers? But before we get to that, Whitey, one thing I did want to toss by you, and we kind of got through the the Hall of Fame conversation and, and the emotional speech that Bryant Young put on last night. Bryant Young, of course, is is a fantastic player, all-time sacks leader in 49ers history, 89 and a half. But never had the chance to become, you know, the the ultimate get to the top, the, the Super Bowl, right? So he's got the he's got the jacket. He's in Canton. My question is: Would you rather make the Hall of Fame or win a Super Bowl? Um, and just to be clear, I, neither of which I've actually done. I know there's some confusion. Over that. <laughs> uh, I remember noticing this when I was in junior high gym class. I would make friends in gym class faster than any other class. And it's because, you know, you're doing something, you're playing a sport together. You get to know somebody in a way that you don't get to know somebody when you're, you know, uh, studying something. So long way uh, around it. But here's my point. If you win a Super Bowl with somebody, you have those memories with those guys on that team. Whenever there's some kind of reunion, whether it's a team has it or you guys have it, you have a special bond with those guys. And you see that with players who've been on championship teams. Hall of Fame career is great, and you have your day in the sun, and I know that there are many things that they have for Hall of Famers. It's They're both tremendous, but I think I would rather have that common team experience 
whether I was a huge part of it or, I mean, it's hard to imagine me not being a huge part of a team winning a Super Bowl. But uh, either way, seriously, I think I would rather be part of that team that does something because I think those bonds, hey, we did, remember when we did this and having those stories and those friendships and those relationships for the rest of your life, to me, I think that would be more meaningful. Oh, and my apologies. Brian Young wanted his, his first season in 1994, so he was a part of the Super Bowl team, the last Super Bowl winning team for the, the San a Francisco team. 49ers. You know the story that I'll never forget about that team is the night before the game when Jerry Rice gets up in front of the team, and Jerry Rice had been on those other Super Bowl teams. He's like, we're not taking this seriously enough, guys. We, you know, Come on, we got to really... You know, really focus, and maybe it was a couple nights before the game. And then Dion gets up, and says, "Man, we got this. <laughs> Relax, we got this." And I guess they got into it a little bit, as legend uh, has it. And of course, Dion was right, and they crushed uh, crushed your Chargers. Took down the San Diego yeah. Forty Chargers, a yeah. game that in San Diego <laughs> lives in infamy. But <laughs> it's funny too. I also I think I read that in like one of the tipping points for for Rice as far as getting into to Dion's face was the fact that Dion, you know, they're in Miami for the Super Bowl in that week and Dion's doing his thing prime time and he he flies like a Lamborghini in just for the Super Bowl and is, you know, whipping down the strip and of course Jerry Rice is still <laughs> just completely locked in right, up at 6 right, a.m. going right. to practice and, and Dion's man, don't worry about yeah. it. We got this. We got this. We got yeah. this. Yeah. And the, the two you know, the two Titans clash. Polar opposites. A couple nights regard. before yeah, the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I guess it worked. Yeah. I guess it absolutely worked. And Brian Young, of course, a big part of that. Um, but I, at least to me, it's it's interesting because obviously less people get to the Hall of Fame than, than win a Super Bowl. But I'm kind of with you because from in, in, that, in that same token, if you are a part of a team that's a Super Bowl winner, that that is something that no one can ever take from you. I mean, whether you're the punter or you're the 54th man on the roster, if you're the quarterback and you're Steve Young throwing six touchdowns in 1994. I think I'd be like most likely a special teamer or maybe a backup safety. I was going to say I'd be the equipment manager okay. I'd, I'd, or starting where I usually was in college. I'd start like left bench mm -hmm. uh, or right bench. Depending and I'd be on the, the backup holder. Oh, that isn't that where you want to be? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so I, I think even though there is the individual achievement of getting in the Hall of Fame, I would I would even go so far as to say there there'd be a lot of Hall of Famers that haven't won that might be willing to even trade in their jacket for the chance at a Super Bowl. So uh, that was just an interesting question that that our producer Brian Iglesia uh, brought up earlier today that I thought was interesting. I wanted to run by you. Uh, but as far as where the 49ers... What, what do you grade my answer? Well, I think we're both on the same page. We're we're, we're not I guys. Okay, right. We're, we're not... Team even though, guys. Even though there's an I and Whitey, mm -hmm. as well as Kevin, mm -hmm. we're more we're more we, right? Right, right. Yeah. We're Give all, me that bond with those guys that, uh, that I went to war with and we won. Yeah. We're all about the team. We're more about the, the team, okay? Mm -hmm. we're, this is a this is a team show here at 95.7 The Game. This isn't about the individuals. This isn't, you know, the, the, the Whitey Gleason show slash Evan Giddings show. This is this is our show, Whitey. But you're right. It gets a little complicated when you got a guy like Jimmy who's meant so much to the team. Then the team makes it clear. You've been a team guy, but we don't need you anymore. So what does the team owe him and what does he in return owe the team? Well, I think that the 49ers, they want to work with him. I think they want to find some sort of compromise where they can get him to you know a place where he's comfortable and, and they said as much and I'm sure a lot of that's PR as well and and everyone wanting to make sure that you know they know that they're trying to do right by their quarterback that did right by them all of last season but to me that the scales are so far tipped in Jimmy Garoppolo doing as much as he could for the 49ers and the way that he's you know acted in in the last couple of weeks and really this this whole offseason we haven't heard much from Jimmy in training camp he's largely been off to the side by himself he's throwing by himself he's working out by himself he's I think now he's waving to fans he is as he throws he's yeah doing he does his, have the, he yeah. still have the, he still has the 49ers logo on on, yeah. on the shirt so at least there, there's that he hasn't completely scrubbed himself of of the gold and red but he could have done what he is is doing now to me he could have taken that approach all of last season if he really wanted to. 
Like, if he really wanted to just drag the ship down with him and say, you guys traded up to go get the first. I mean, we saw Aaron Rodgers kind of do it in some sense when they traded up for for Jordan Love in, in Green Bay. He just said, well, you know, I, I don't know what you guys are doing, and, and my future yeah. is, is in, I just don't really know. He made such a big deal out of nothing and obviously came down to money for Aaron Rodgers. But Jimmy Garoppolo, with Trey Lance coming in, could have said, hey, man, you know, I, I don't really know about my future here, and I'm just going to take things one day at a time, and I, I'm not really here for, for the team. I'm here for me. I want to further my career. But he didn't do any of that, and it didn't really work out for him. See, to me, that was inspirational, the way Jimmy handled it last year. And I know some people now are thinking, you know, I've heard from people on the text lines like, come on, he got paid all that money. What's the big deal that he acted like a football player would when he's getting paid to be a football player? But he handled that. And, and as you say, there have been other quarterbacks and other players in other sports that have, um, if you contrast the way they've responded to Jimmy, he's like, wow, Jimmy handled it well. I think he did. So where does it go from here? I, I still think there's a really good chance he ends up going to the Seahawks, and I think the 49ers see that, and I think they want to delay it as long as possible. Uh, speaking of the text line, Comcast Business text line, as you know, Evan, somebody on the text line here says, hey, I don't see the whole thing with Seattle. If you think Jimmy can beat you in game two, your team's not very good. Well, coach is coach, and if you're coaching the 49ers, you just want you don't want to give a team you're playing any added advantage whatsoever. It's not that you fear the Seahawks, but you'd rather they not have Jimmy than have Jimmy for week two, right? There's also the added, as we know, the potential benefit for the Seahawks of getting Jimmy coming in. Look, this is what they do. This is this is a. Uh, their signals. This is how they, those formations. There's so you know a lot of that's already known if you study a team, but they don't want that falling into uh, Seattle hands right before they play them. So it's not that the 49ers are quaking in fear of the notion of having to play. Ooh, Jimmy and the Seahawks. But if I'm Kyle Shanahan, Evan, I don't know about you, but I'd much rather face Drew Locke than Jimmy Garoppolo in that game. That's all. Or Geno Smith. Anybody yeah. not named Jimmy Garoppolo yes. at this point. Yes, that doesn't mean that I'm saying, oh, yeah, they're going to kill the 49ers. But still, if you're the 49ers, you want to avoid that if you can. Yeah, and I think that also, I mean, look, there, I, uh, there, there's no route people have floated it throughout this week. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo could be kept on as a, as a backup. I think that that ship has absolutely sailed. That, that cannot happen. But I also don't, I don't see why the 49ers would want him still in their division. Now, I think the most likely option at this point is before August 30th, that deadline, he'll be released and then simply wait until, I don't know, a, a team kind of in the middle of the pack. If a quarterback gets hurt, maybe they want Jimmy Garoppolo on their team. But his the, the era of, of Jimmy G is, is over here in San Francisco. Yes. Yeah. What do you think? Thank goodness, finally. Well, and I'm a Jimmy G guy, but thank goodness. Well, that's what I was going to ask. How do you feel like the Jimmy G era will be remembered? Do you think it'll be remembered as a time of of shortcomings? Because when he got here, things were in shambles. By the time he left, at least on the on paper, you got a Super Bowl appearance and a conference championship appearance. But people were always left wanting more when it came to Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that depends on what happens after he leaves. If they win Super Bowls, then Jimmy G will be remembered in some ways like Mark Jackson's remembered as coach of the Warriors. Mm. And there's a lot of other factors there that that make it a totally separate situation. So I don't want to get uh, bogged down in those. But yeah. like, oh, Mark Jackson was good, but they needed a different coach. Uh, whereas, obviously, if Steve Kerr had come in and they'd missed the playoffs, it'd be like, oh, Mark Jackson was the guy. So if the 49ers win a, even a Super Bowl, then I think Jimmy will be remembered as he was good, but he wasn't the guy they needed. If they fall apart, which is very unlikely, he'll be seen as, oh, they had him all along and they let him go. I don't I don't think that's likely. Um, but I, I do think Jimmy's probably going to go down in history as, Let's see. I mean, given that he got to a Super Bowl and then he also, you know, got to an NFC title game, Montana, Young, and I think Jimmy's right up there, three or four. I mean, you could put Colin in there, but Colin didn't, you know, he had, that was so erratic in terms of when he got to play um, and didn't win that Super Bowl. He's right. He's going to be remembered. He's definitely a top five, definitely, I think, a top four. All-time 49er quarterback. Well, and this is where the 510 is on the Comcast business text line. One word for, I'm assuming he's talking about Jimmy Garoppolo or she. 
underwhelming. And that that seems to be the sentiment from a lot of fans, which to me is interesting just because that that's kind of where I'm at right now with with Trey Lance a little bit. I know that may be unfair. It's unfair. And selfish. <laughs> and selfish. We've gone from we to I in the middle of a segment. But I have been I, I've been wanting a little bit more and, and we you know, you called me selfish earlier. I am selfish for wanting to see as much as I can of Trey you Lance and pre self selfish and I agreed with you. Well that's yeah. semantics. Yeah. But that and maybe that's why I want to see more of, of Trey Lance because I feel like I've it, it, I feel like it's underwhelming at this point. I, I just I want to get more of Trey Lance and maybe it's to to get some of the not it's not stink but the you know the former odor of Jimmy Garoppolo off of off of the 49ers and off of what I feel about the 49ers but I've just been expecting so much out of out of Trey because people have been talking about Jimmy as underwhelming and if it, if a Super Bowl appearance and a conference championship is underwhelming then to me what Trey Lance you know it is set up to do right now and and by all accounts in, in practice with with the peaks and valleys that he's been going through that to me is a little underwhelming hmm. i just to me it's it's premature to say underwhelming because he's only played two games he's literally played two games and i know there are a lot of questions now but we gotta wait at least until he plays a game don't we last year his rookie year he played two games and they got the nfc title game so i think you have to say kyle handled this awkward situation pretty well so did trey lance so did jimmy i know people on the text line say jimmy's not a hall of famer he had no choice he had to do he had to deal with it but i still think he deserves some credit for the way he he handled it so to, I, I mean underwhelming what more could we have expected from him uh, at this point, I, I think it, he, if they win this year, he's going to be viewed as, wow, this is the guy. They made the right choice, and I think they're going to win. But ultimately, it's going to be about how much do they win and do they win a Super Bowl. If he's a flop, by the way, which I would be very surprised by, then I think Kyle Shanahan as a talent evaluator, uh, you know, he he's already proven to be a great coach. But as somebody who's uh, making personnel decisions, if, if, if Trey Lance ends up being a bust, I, I think... Kyle Shanahan's future as a talent evaluator is going to be over, uh, and that's that. That's a good point, and maybe that's a little bit harsh for me to to already call it underwhelming. I guess what I, you're what very I, harsh today. Yeah, the things you say to me when we're off air, I wouldn't even repeat them. <laughs> I didn't have enough coffee today. Okay, I'm cranky, right, Whitey? Yeah. Uh, but where I I guess then I'm at if if Jimmy G is is underwhelming or his time in San Francisco has been underwhelming, then hasn't also by extension Kyle Shanahan's Time in, in San Francisco been a bit underwhelming? Or is that is that too far to say because... No, I, I don't think so. I see your point. I don't think so because Kyle did get him to a Super Bowl, which they probably should have won, and then got him to a conference championship game. But Kyle's the one... I think the main reason that so many 49er fans say Jimmy is you know underwhelming is because Kyle made it clear that he thinks he's underwhelming. Yeah, no, and and I know that head coaches too often get tied, you know, at the hip really with their quarterbacks. But and that's you know fair. Kyle Shanahan did did a lot to kind of mask the the deficiencies of Jimmy G, and by by his play calling showed us, like you said, what he thought about his quarterback, uh, which is why I do think in in the preseason I'm I'm going to be looking for how he calls plays for Trey Lance and then how that moves into the regular season because that will that to me is is more of a, a telltale of where Trey is at and where what Kyle thinks of his quarterback. This is the first guy I know he had Arjean three and along with Kirk Cousins in, in Washington, but as a head coach, this is his first real young quarterback, his first project that he gets to build from the ground up. And so I just feel like if you know if Jimmy's time was was underwhelming, and and you got to where you did with him. Granted, he was hurt for a couple of seasons. I think that factors into the equation as well. How long? How many times you didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo? But for Trey Lance, I just my expectations are a lot of him because Jimmy G for all of, for all the things he couldn't do, he also managed and maybe it was more Kyle than Jimmy G. But if if Kyle can then get Jimmy G to the Super Bowl in a 10-point lead in the ultimate game, he should be able to get Trey Lance to a point where the, the Niners are in, I think, a playoff spot. 
So the question you asked about whether Kyle Shanahan would be considered underwhelming to this point, if I'm Jed York, I'm thrilled with what Lynch and Shanahan have done. Remember 2019 when they started off winning their first, what, six games, whatever it was. I think there was more than six, wasn't it? Remember how everyone was like, oh, my goodness, this is great. And they got to the Super Bowl. And they had for years since Harbaugh left, it had been, oh, this is hard to watch. I think last year was a pivotal year because you had a couple years where you didn't do much and then got to a Super Bowl. Then you had that dreadful year during the pandemic where there were so many injuries. So last year was a key year. I think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch had a lot to prove last year. And they got to the conference championship game and they got there even though they struggled halfway through the season. It was like, uh, this is bad. So I think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have done a great job because here we are getting ready for another season. And they're in the conversation. Could they get to the Super Bowl again? Yeah, they're relevant in that regard. That's really what you want. And the 49ers didn't have that for many years. Ultimately, they'll be judged by whether or not they win a Super Bowl. But to this point, I think they've done a great job. Comcast business text line from the 510. Does Evan beat up Whitey and take his lunch money before the show? Tries. I don't I don't bring lunch money anymore, so he can't take it. Whitey's feisty. I don't think people understand this. You're, you're really nice on radio, but the man behind closed doors, I'll tell you what. Whitey will put him up. And uh, what, you, is it more of like a fisticuffs type type style that, that you feature? Um, well, that's what I show. I've got a tremendous ground game as well, but I... I only bring that out if you know if needed. A lot of bark, Whitey. A yeah. lot of bark, an occasional bite, mm-hmm. especially when you're with Ray Ratto. I know. I notice <laughs> you, you get pretty feisty with Ray. That is really actually that's the question. Does Whitey beat up Ray before the show and take his lunch money? I don't know. No, I wouldn't do that. It's all psychological warfare with between Ray and I. <laughs> Nothing physical. All in the mind. Well, it feels like it's been psychological warfare with with Kyle Shanahan the way that he. At least, at least this season, I feel like he's beginning to come out of his shell a little bit more, and you know he's always kind of had the the air of not the smartest man in the room, but he definitely knows how smart he is, or or, or how smart he thinks that he is, and so. I think, I think he's, don't you think, Evan, pardon me, but I think to your point, the fact that he's gotten to the Commerce Championship game twice now and they've got, they they nearly won a Super Bowl, I'm sure he still desperately wants to do that. But to a degree, he's proven as a head coach, hey, I, I can do this. I've proven that. And I also think he's got to be feeling at least a little bit of a sense of relief that they're so close now to having this very awkward Jimmy G. Trey Lance situation resolved. Yeah, and I think he's he's also proven... And maybe more so to himself than to us, which is what matters to him. Is like his process does work, and yeah, I know he's been through his lineage, through nepotism, whatever you want to say. Like he's been involved in in winning football at every stage of his life, even from the time he was a child. So he has seen the game grow. He knows what works, and to a large extent, he's also proven that that his system does work. Yeah, I'll bet you he drew up some great plays as a kid, huh? Street football, <laughs> man. Let, let this kid drop the place. By the way, greatest rule in street football ever. Uh, we were playing uh, Thanksgiving in front of our house once, and my brother Mark said, I say, see that cat over there? There was a cat on the lawn across the street. Yeah, that cat's the first down marker. Okay, well, cats move. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was a great rule. First down. No, nope, cat moves. Sorry. I wonder what it was like playing pickup football with Kyle Shanahan. And, you know, the offense huddles together, the three people, they put up the football and they kind of draw plays, you know, uh-huh. on the football. Yeah. How complicated Kyle Shanahan's well, yeah, plays been, uh, was. Yeah. How many different yeah. audibles he right. was running. Yeah, right. that's true. What, 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 what's the hot route? All right, that, yeah. mean, that means it's a seven. Yeah. But if I say hot with a lowercase h, it means you're going to break off to the right. right. If I whistle two times before I say hot, you're coming in. It's a five-yard curled route. And it must have taken forever, huh? Hey, come on, run the place. Stevie, you've got an option route. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan is probably <laughs> the only player in pickup football history to have a delay of game called on him in a pickup game. Uh, that's <laughs> Has to be. I can see Hurry it. up. I got I to gotta go home and do my homework pretty soon, Kyle. Run the play. I can see it right now. And that's... And that also maybe is is what could have some quarterbacks just like deers and headlights when they're when they're running his system and, and why Ryan said that it takes them forever sometimes to get the plays in. Yeah. And that's why I'm hoping that along with some of the injury stuff, why Trey Lance didn't play more in his first season is because he he did need that much amount of time just to absorb Kyle Shanahan's system. I mean, it's extremely complicated and 
I don't expect him to be, you know, perfect in it this first year, uh, first full starting season, but I expect there to be, you know, like relatively seamless. I thought we were going to see more of Trey Lance last year, going back to what Kyle had said before the season started. And, you know, some of that's coach speak where you're not necessarily going to show your cards, but we didn't see a lot of uh, a Trey Lance. And then I wondered even the last, game of the season when Jimmy clearly was compromised by his shoulder. No matter what you think of him, it's like he couldn't throw and they needed 80 yards uh, and a short amount of time against the Rams. I thought, well, maybe Trey Lance would be a good fit here. But what came out this week, again, and we talked about it already, that Trey Lance's finger that he hurt against the Raiders in the preseason uh, was so problematic for him that he couldn't grip a football properly. I think that's the biggest reason why we didn't see more of Trey Lance last year. And that and and some of the you know the the issues that surrounded uh, you know Jimmy Garoppolo injuries in and out. Trey Lance has been dealing with some injuries and did so in his first season. Dealt with some arm fatigue over the summer, but appears to be all clear. We're going to continue talking about the San Francisco 49ers coming up next. We'll get back into the Bay Bridge series if we have some time. Anything you want to hop in on, feel free. Text line's open. Comcast business text line is open along with the phone lines, 888-957-9570. That's Whitey Gleason. I'm Evan Giddings. We'll be back after this on 95.7 The Game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.